After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. While Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Please be seated. Well, good morning, Marvin Methodist Church. And coming this morning, I want to come with words of thanks. Words of thanks to my friend, Dr. Doug Baker, your lead pastor. Words of thanks to the congregation that has given generously to support the Marvin Methodist Scholarship at Baylor's George W. Truett Theological Seminary with special respect to the Wesley House of Studies. That's rather a mouthful, but I think we got it out. And uh, thanks for these altar flowers. You make me feel right at home with the green and the gold. Let those who have eyes to see. And if you like A&M, God be with you. And if UT is your school of choice, may the Lord be with you also. Truth of the matter is, we're on a team that eclipses any of those that we might root for during the course of the week. In coming to you this morning, may I also come to you with greetings from Baylor University, if you want them, uh, and from Truett Seminary, uh, even uh, if you don't want them from Baylor. May I also uh, say hello Uh, with you to my friend and colleague, the Reverend Dr. Rusty Freeman. Rusty, would you stand so that people might see you? Uh, This is is Rusty Freeman. Uh, Rusty is a seventh generation Methodist. That goes back a long time, all the way to John himself, I'm told. And uh, Rusty and I grew up on the same street in Wichita Falls, Texas. And God, in God's good providence, drew us together for a time such as this. Rusty is the director of the Wesley House of Studies at Baylor University, and uh, I'm delighted to be able to partner with Rusty in ministry. So, uh, I want us to have a word of prayer, and then I want us to return to the text. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. And Lord, by your good grace, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Would you allow the seed of your word 
to fall now in fertile soil so that it might produce 30 and 60 and hundredfold. This is our holy hope. We pray, would you speak? And we, your servants, will listen and will be careful to be doers of the word and not only hearers who delude ourselves. Through Christ our Lord we pray, amen. I have a confession, they say confession is good for the soul, so may I? Uh, I like James Taylor. And James Taylor is this uh, singer-songwriter, and one of the reasons I like James Taylor is because he knows how to write, and another reason I like him because he knows how to play, and another reason I like him because he knows how to sing. And uh, if you listen to James Taylor, as I sometimes am want to do, he will say such lines as, deep greens and blues are the colors I choose. And as it happens, those are my favorite colors too. But on a day like today, the color of choice or the color de jour is, well, white. And rightly so. Because today is Transfiguration Sunday. And we heard in the text that when Jesus was transfigured, that his face shone as bright as a sun, and his garments were as light, as bright, as light. And you know, if you read not only Matthew's version of the Transfiguration, but you also read Mark's version, in fact, this story is also found in Luke, so it's found across the synoptic evangelist in the so-called triple tradition. Mark will tell you that Jesus' clothes were so bright that they were brighter than any fuller here a bleacher could bleach them. Growing up, I used to play this game called Light Bright. I don't know if any of you are old enough. I'm 56. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember that. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember that you gave your children this game. But man, when we put light bright together and then we turned out the lights, it was bright. Well, it pales in comparison to Jesus on that day. We're a little in front of ourselves. Can we begin at the beginning? At the outset of this passage, we are told after six days. And we think to ourselves, six days after what? Well, six days after Jesus had withdrawn with his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. Recall that occasion in Matthew 16 where Jesus puts to his disciples the question, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, Jesus, the beat on the street is you're Elijah or uh, I don't know, you're one of the other prophets or perhaps John the Baptist come back to life. He said, okay. Uh, and now the $64 question, who do you say that I am? And Peter, who likes to talk, <laughs> got it right this time. Peter said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, right you are, Simon, son of John. For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, 
but my Father, the one who is in heaven, and from now on you shall be Petros, and upon this Petra, you shall be rocky, and upon this layer of rock, I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall never, ever prevail against it. And Jesus went on to say, that's the good news. Now, I got some grisly news because it's not going to go well with me. In the days that are ahead, they shall, in fact, crucify the Son of God. But here's the good news. The Lord will raise him up again. It was six days after that day. Isn't it interesting, as Dr. Baker read the passage from Exodus, the parallel passage from this morning, the reading from the Old Testament, that we heard that the presence of God was like a cloud over Mount Sinai for six days. Earliest readers and listeners of this text would have certainly have caught that echo. And we discover that it's six days then after the Caesarea Philippi confession that Jesus takes with him, as we've learned earlier, some best buddies, Peter and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, sometimes known as his inner circle. But to be honest, his inner circle, they may have been good friends. They weren't especially helpful. <laughs> In Luke's gospel, we learn that they were sleepy. And we learn of another occasion that Jesus takes the inner circle with him, remember, into the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus was praying and they were sleeping. So not horribly helpful, but they gather together and Jesus leads them. Not bad to be led by Jesus. He leadeth me, O blessed thought. He leads them up a high mountain by themselves. Now, I have a confession to make another one. I'm a New Testament scholar and I'm a geek. And so I love to kind of search the scriptures, kind of like the Bereans of old. And if you read Matthew carefully, you will see that mountains matter in Matthew. Yeah, I'm that kind of guy who looks at how many times mountains occur and what Matthew's trying to do with these mountains. So the mountain of temptation, the mountain of the Beatitudes, which then leads to the sermon on the, yeah, uh, Jesus multiplies loaves and fish to feed many, 4,000 on one occasion, 5,000 on another. We have the Mount of Transfiguration. We have the Mount of Golgotha or Calvary, and we have the Mount of the Great Commission. Remember, uh, make disciples, I will be with you. So, what does this say to the listener, to the reader of Matthew's gospel? Well, go ahead and stand on tiptoes, scoot to the edge of your seat, because something good is about to happen. And so it does. There is Jesus, and he's metamorphosed. That's the word. 
transfigured. The caterpillar, as it were, becomes a butterfly. Jesus, the Lord of glory, who has reigned with the Father from the beginning, says to his disciples in the text that proceeds that you, some of you will not die until you've seen the kingdom of God come and here, at least in a shaft of light, comes the glory. And so we discover that his face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as light. Meanwhile, inner stage left, <laughs> Moses and Elijah. You get to see Moses and Elijah every time you come to church. For those of you who are new, take a look at the windows on the way out. <laughs> we do windows here. You have not only Jesus, but you have Moses, and you have Elijah, and you have one of the maidens who keeps the lamp wick trimmed, because you never know when he's coming. And so, we see that Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophet. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. For you see, in Jesus, you have one greater than Moses. You have the new Moses. And did you know that Matthew's gospel is at pains to show you that Jesus is likened unto Moses? Woven throughout this remarkable gospel, the first gospel, you find no less than five discourses. The Sermon on the Mount, the sermon to the 70 sent out on mission, the sermon of parables, Matthew 5 to 7, Matthew 10, Matthew 13. Then you have sermon for the church, Matthew 18. Then you have the end time sermon, Matthew 24 to 25. Last time I checked, you have five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Matthew's trying to say in a very real way, you have a new Moses, but this one does not teach as the scribes and the Pharisees. Then you have Elijah. And some say that Jesus is Elijah come back to life. And Elijah, he goes out in a blaze of glory, but his glory is a flickering flame compared to the glory that is in the face of Jesus the Christ. And so we discover that the transfiguration prompts a reaction on the part of Peter. He says to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. And if you would like, I'll make it over to Home Depot and I will be happy to put together some makeshift shelters because these shelters will allow you and Moses and Elijah to stay for a while. We're told by Mark and by Luke that Peter really didn't know what he was saying and sometimes, you know, when it gets awkwardly silent, you gotta say something instead of nothing. <laughs> and so Peter does. But then... It's good that even as P 
Peter is talking, someone else decides to talk. It's really when good when God interrupts us. And so the voice from heaven declares, watch this. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And the disciples hear this voice and they fall down, not unlike John of Revelation, as though dead. This is not a bad thing to do in the presence of the holy. <laughs> and Jesus comes to them just like he comes to us. And he says, don't be afraid. Hop on up. And as they do, you know what? They see at the end what they ought to have seen from the beginning, Jesus only. This morning, friends, we are not going to be transfigured. Nor tomorrow, nor the next day. Because this is a one-off. Jesus' transfiguration was sui generis. But we are meant to be transformed. Remember, Paul can say to the Romans, I urge you, friends, by God's mercies, not to be conformed to this world, but to be, watch this, metamorphosed, transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and well-pleasing. Paul can say that we are being transformed from one degree of glory and to another. And when this transformation begins to take place in our lives, it takes place because we encounter Jesus. Our hearts are, watch this, this Baptist boy is learning, strangely warmed. <laughs> but we not only encounter him, but we embrace him. And we not only embrace him, but we exalt him uh, through our words and through our ways because if we are to stay in step with him, we are to walk even as he walked. So on this Transfiguration Sunday, as we've heard this majestic music, as we've gathered together and heard sacred scripture. Here's my hope. My hope is even as the disciples, the disciples of this inner circle, saw Jesus only, that we would file out of this place and take to our workaday, run-of-the-mill lives only Jesus fixing our focus on him, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, despised the shame, endured the cross, because God did not allow his holy one to undergo decay. And as we enter into this period of Lent, introspection, repentance, may we remember 
that it may be Friday, but Sunday's coming. Amen.
thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 on our campus at 300 West Urban Street, downtown Tyler. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and its ministry and serving opportunities. And if we can be of any assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope you'll let me know. May God bless you with a Christ-centered life as we pursue Christ together.